Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Welcome, everyone, to episode 42 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Jamie. Jamie is from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and she is a nurse in an administrative role now with a background in emergency medicine and cardiology. Did I get all of that right, particularly pronouncing the <laughs> the Canadian words? Yep, you did very well. <laughs> I'm so glad. I was like, I know that's going to be a tongue twister for me, so I'm glad that I, I got it out there. Welcome, Jamie. We're so glad to have you. Well, thanks. I'm really happy to be here. So I like to start off by asking everyone, what brought you to intermittent fasting? When was it? Tell us a little bit of your background. Okay, so I kind of started intermittent fasting probably halfway through my, let's call it my final journey, because I don't really plan on having to do this ever again. So I have been struggling with my weight up and down for my entire adult life. And it probably started in my childhood. Like I remember going to Weight Watchers when I was in high school. Wow. So I've been up and down. I've done everything from Weight Watchers. I probably paid them like thousands of dollars over the years because I paid continuously and I really would kind of come and go from actually doing anything and it never actually worked for me at all. I did some LA weight loss. I did Jenny's weight loss. I did everything. So last year, let's call it, it's worth 2019. So in 2018, I turned 40. Okay. And my kids are older now, like my baby is seven. So now is the kind of the time where I have some time to myself. They don't need me as much. And I really decided, okay, I need to get my act together. I have a successful career. I have a good family, but I really was just not generally happy in my own skin. So, you know, yep, 40 came and gone. And I really 
didn't do anything differently. I have a friend of mine that I work with and her and I kind of have our morning huddle and kind of discuss our woes. And she decided that she was going to try keto. She'd heard lots about it. She had done all of this weight issue, same as me. We were kind of very similar. And I was like, I can't do keto. I can't eat all of that fat. I'm a cardiology nurse. What does that do to my arteries? Like that can't be the way I go. So in October of 2018, I went to our National Canadian Cardiology Conference with some colleagues and a couple of physicians that I work with. And it's essentially the best of the best in the cardiology world for national benchmark standards and any just future learning. And I'm a cath lab manager, so I am very involved in the day-to-day operations. I work really closely with physicians and interventional cardiologists, and I have a great group of staff. So we went to this conference and one of these conferences, one of the sessions was on the ketogenic diet. Awesome. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to that because I'm very interested. My mom, I'll give you some background. My mom is also a dietitian. So I grew up knowing exactly how I was thought I was supposed to eat. Right. I grew up on the Canada Food Guide. My mom is lean and she's healthy and she's fit and she eats properly and she doesn't have any food issues. And my sister has always been thin and they all kind of seem to have it together. And I kind of know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing and kind of can't get it together. So I went to this session And it was so fascinating. The room, it was in a small room in this big convention center. So obviously they didn't really think that they were going to have the turnout that they did because the room was jam packed. I love it. There were people like spilling in outside the doorway and kind of huddled outside the room. It was like standing room only. And it was a buzz with controversy. Yeah, I can imagine, Yeah, you know, because you had the whole can't eat fat, you know, background and, you know, this is a cardiology conference. So I love that it was fraught with controversy. It was so interesting. And, you know, just all of these questions about like increased cholesterol and atherosclerosis, but they had some physicians on the panel that went through, you know, all of these studies, kind of debunked a few myths and really made what we always thought was correct to be absolutely not. Can you share some of those from your background? What were some of those myths that they debunked? Because I know that listeners are going to be fascinated to hear that. And like I said, I am just talking about myself, my own personal experience, and I have not done any studies. I can't claim that I know the answers, but I definitely can tell you that it made me think. Okay talking about that we don't actually know that saturated fat or fat causes atherosclerosis. We don't know that that is what causes coronary artery disease. We don't know that, yeah, how do we know it's maybe not the inflammation? And so that's the kind of the interesting thing that stood out to me. There was many more. And is cholesterol actually that bad for you? And right. Many, many more things that came out of that that I couldn't pinpoint for you right now, but it definitely, I came out of there thinking, hmm, I maybe need to try something different. You know, because we've all heard the conventional story for the past, you know, a few decades, but you're right. I've done a lot of research. The first time I read about it might have been in Gary Taub's book, Good Calories, Bad Calories, the whole idea of cholesterol, Mm -hmm. you know, higher cholesterol, not necessarily being a bad thing and some of the the research out there on that and, you know, low cholesterol, really low levels of cholesterol being linked to bad health outcomes. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, just, but I'm sure that the studies were fascinating that those doctors presented because the, the panel was made up of doctors, right? They were. Yep. And there was a couple, one physician from the States, Dr. Westman, and he's very well documented on keto. Right. And then a couple of Canadian physicians and then a husband and wife, she was a life coach and a health coach and he was a cardiologist. So it was just, it was very interesting to see the other side of that. You know, this, maybe everything that we did know, maybe that's not actually correct. Yeah. So what did you come away with kind of tumbling this all around in your mind? And what are you doing inside your head? And what are you thinking about trying? 
Well, I'll tell you, so those conferences, yes, I learned a lot, but they're fun. And so I went with my friends and we ate and we drank. And by the time I came home from that conference, I was definitely ready to take a bit of a break and to make some changes. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to do keto. So the first day I started, I will remember, was October 24th of 2018. Okay. And I came home and I talked to my husband who, my husband is uh, not an overweight guy. He is lean and he's fit and we have a really busy household and he, you know, he eats what I feed him. Right. Essentially. I'm probably enabling a little bit. I do cook for my family and when they're without me, they kind of flounder a little bit and I need to figure that out, but we're working on it. But also, like, I kind of tell him, this is what you're going to take for lunch. And I said to him, you know what, I'm going to do this, but I can't do it for you. If you want to join me, you're more than welcome. You can cook what I make you, but I am not going to, you know, tell you what to eat every day. If you're not really to f- willing to do some research and to figure this out on your own, I'm going to work on me. You are on your own. Right. So he was like, no, okay, good. And I kind of said to him, you probably can't do this because you don't take enough. He just eats. He just eats. He packs a lunch. He's worried about starving to death. He just eats what's there. So he's on his own. But he (laughs) ate everything that I cooked. Okay. He also has some like milk issues. So he struggles with lactose intolerance or so he thought. So I did that. I started keto. I read some books. I was really involved in online. I did lots of Googling. I did lots of Pinterest. I found some podcasts and I jumped right in. And what I found is that I was really satisfied. And I think that was where, what changed for me compared to the Weight Watchers. I wasn't hungry. I was really satisfied. I enjoyed what I was eating. I was full and I felt fantastic. See, that's the key. It clicked with your body and your body was happy and you were satisfied. You know, whenever we find a way of eating and when we eat, we feel satisfied and we feel good. I really think that's the key to life, you know? Yes, 100%. I wasn't obsessed with it. I wasn't constantly thinking, oh my God, I'm starving or I ate too many points or it was just easy. Yeah. So at this time you were just doing keto without intermittent fasting. Correct. So then we went on a family holiday. We went to Disney with my family. There was 11 of us. And I even maintained all of my weight loss. I'd probably lost about 15, 20 pounds by now. And I maintained and I ate properly while we were in Disney. And when we came home from Disney, my husband is like, okay, whatever you're doing is working for you. I want in. And I was like, okay. Awesome. But he was not overweight. No, he's 45. He's a smaller man. Like he's not a huge guy. He could have lost a few pounds. He also has high blood pressure and he had high cholesterol. Ah, okay. Not on meds, just borderline. So then that was in February. And in February, I had kind of figured it out. I knew what I wanted to eat. We were kind of working as a family. Everything was going well. And I'm like, okay, I'll help you do this. And within a month, he had no more headaches, had lost 12 pounds, and felt fantastic. Wow. Mm-hmm. So no more headaches, no more, he just felt fabulous. Correct. And both of our moods were better. We were just kind of a little bit more even-tempered. Everything kind of just seemed to be flowing. So still no intermittent fasting, just the keto. No, and so March, we came, February, we came home from Disney, and in March was when I found your book. How did you find it? I'm always so curious. I think I might have found the podcast first. Ah. And so the podcast came and I started listening to a couple of those and him and I started listening to them together. And so I was kind of feeling like my diet with the keto was going okay, but I didn't feel like I needed to eat all of that fat and I didn't feel like I wanted to count macros anymore. And so this seemed like a good option for me to kind of navigate to something different. And your body was already fat adapted because you'd been doing keto for so long. Yeah. So I, I bet the transition to intermittent fasting was pretty easy, was it? It was easy because you know what? All I was having for breakfast on keto was a bulletproof coffee. Okay. And I was finding it that to be a little bit complicated at work. Like I needed to blend it, but I didn't like, I. it was just getting to be a little bit like a burden. So I essentially cut that out. Yeah. So that was an easy transition. Just boom. 
Did you go straight to black coffee? I laugh when I listen to these people uh, in the Facebook posts about their black coffee. And because, yes, I was the person that liked coffee with my cream. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So that was one of the things I loved about keto. I was a latte girl. Yeah, (laughs) because I could have whipping cream in my coffee and it was so delicious. But no, I also just like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly. And I yeah, clean fast right from the beginning. And I stopped taking cream in my coffee. And now I drink it black all the time. Yay. I just had a conversation with my 21-year-old. And I was like talking to him about coffee. And he said, black coffee is just the way it tastes good. And I'm like, I couldn't be more proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) And my 19-year-old drinks it black. You know, they don't have anything to unlearn. But boy, I sure did. Because a friend of mine's dad once said, I like my coffee like I like my women sweet and blonde. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, okay. (laughs) I get it. That's how I drank my coffee. So so you eliminated the bulletproof coffee and then boom, you know, you're fasting. What was your your eating window like at that time? I have been the person that can has kind of varied my eating window and still do. But really essentially until most recently, it was 18.6. And I would eat from noon till six, two meals about. Okay. So you just eliminated that bulletproof coffee and and you were fasting. And did you notice any difference in how you felt during the day? Well, what I can tell you is by cutting, I am so much more productive because I no longer break. (laughs) So I also seem to be a little bit more antisocial, but I don't generally have lunch and I, you know, I have coffee here and there, but I think work has been busy. So it's just been good. It's just been, I feel good. I'm clear. I'm focused and I get a lot done. So let's talk about, about weight loss. You mentioned that you lost about 15 pounds just from keto. Yep. What have you noticed since March, since you've switched to, or since you've added in the intermittent fasting? It's definitely slowed. But I think that that is normal. I think that oh, I yeah. lost Weight a bunch of water slow. at first. Yeah. So I am down 35 pounds. Wow. That's pretty good. Yep. I have about mm, eight to go to my goal weight, if that's what you want to call it. But I'm not really focused on that, really. I feel better than I ever have about my body. I feel like my head and my body have kind of gotten together and I... I'm proud. I'm proud of where I've come and I feel great. And I'm pretty happy about the way I look. I think my husband's happy. I'm happy. Who knows? Maybe I'm happier. So he's happier. It's all good. It's a big cycle of happiness. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think it all works together. One partner, you know, being unhappy can color everything for the other person as well. You know, it makes a difference. So yeah. Like I think our relationship is better and I f- don't feel as because I've lost any weight. I think he would have been happy with me at any size, but I am happier with myself. Therefore, it's easier for us. Yeah. And so it just flows into the relationship because you have that positive feeling and you're happy. Yeah. And so then, you know, your interactions are happier too. Yeah. Mood, mood plays a huge role in that because, you know, I'm pretty cheerful, but sometimes my husband will be, he'll bring something home from work and he'll be a little crabby or I could be crabby too over something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just makes everything, you know, not as easy. So I'm glad that, that you feel good in your body. So you have like a scale weight goal. Was it a weight where you were in the past? Just a number that you felt good at that weight? You know what? I, well, I initially, I said I stepped on the scale yesterday. And I, for the very first time, was in the normal weight category for my BMI. And that... That was a really good feeling. However, oh, yeah. I have not felt overweight for a very long time. So I feel like that scale is skewed. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because you said you had been in that overweight category for how long? Oh, I like ever, I think almost. Like I right now weigh 154 pounds. And I feel like I look pretty damn good. And yeah. so I think if you look at the BMI, body mass index, and the the healthy weight range, I think I am right on the tip of a healthy weight for my height. I'm 5'6". But, you know, I still think I look pretty damn good. Yeah. And your body, having been used to being overweight for all that time, 
And now, now you are not. I mean, this is a huge moment if you really think about that. Yesterday was the day you crossed over into the, even though we know the BMI is flawed. I mean, we know mm-hmm. that. We know that if you're muscular or if you have a large frame, the BMI can't take that into account. And like, we know that, you know, top performing athletes are often in the overweight category because yep. they have so much muscle, which is absolutely nuts. You know, the BMI is just based on height versus weight you know, or the ratio somehow. But anyway, even so, I know it is fabulous to finally be in that range mm-hmm. after all those years. I mean, I, I remember when I was in that normal weight range after having been obese. Were you ever in the obese category or just in that overweight range? I think I was. I think I tipped to the edge of it. <laughs> the day that I went from obese to just overweight was thrilling. There's something about that word obese that just sounds harsh, right? It is. It is. As a nurse, like the documentation in people's charts about that, I remember saying, thinking to myself, oh, if anyone documented on my chart that I was obese, I would be really sad. Yeah, because it just seems like I felt the word makes you feel, you like internalize it. And it I mean, mm-hmm. of course, it's not that you're a failure, but I felt like that. I was like, I am obese. I am a failure. And just the word was just, I don't know, full of emotion there with that. But, you know, crossing over into that next range of the BMI and then down to the normal range is, it just feels like, okay, here I am. So, yep. You know, even if you don't see eight pounds down on the scale, I bet you're going to continue to see body recomposition. I'm at the same weight now, plus or minus maybe one pound. I think I weighed 153 when I got married 10 years ago. And my wedding dress that I wore on that day is too big. Love it. Yeah. So that's what I feel super interesting. It's the fat. You know, when we are tapping into our fat stores through intermittent fasting, when we're fat adapted, we're preferentially burning that fat. So we're retaining the muscle. We're even building more muscle. And so, you know, I talk about this all the time, but you're actually leaner, less fat than you were at that weight before. That's perfect. So I feel like I may weigh more, but I don't feel like I've been this small kind of probably since high school. Right. I know that is a great feeling. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So is your husband also doing any intermittent fasting with you? He probably does a little bit of intermittent fasting, but he's a dirty faster. He still has Uh-oh. his bullet- he has his bulletproof <laughs> coffee in the morning. <laughs> well, let's just call him having a longer window. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he is doing pretty well, I have to say. I think we've just j- essentially changed our lifestyle, both of us, and it is definitely working. 
I don't feel like this is a diet. This is how I'm going to eat for the rest of my life. And that is what we want. You know, we don't want to feel like it's something you're hopping on and hopping off and it's a struggle. When it's easy, you know, I have a saying I like to say, tweak it till it's easy. And it sounds like you have done that. Yeah, I'm still in my head. I still want to be, I want that scale to be lower. I should essentially throw it out, right? But I do want that number to be a little bit lower. That's when I threw mine out. Yep. So I have changed my window now. Okay. So you're working on that just a little bit. Yep. What change did you make? Well, I haven't actually seemed to have lost anything for a few months now. And I'm kind of okay with that, but I thought, let's change it up and see what happens. So I'm trying to do the alternate day fasting. Has your size changed at all in those months? Like your clothes or you're just exactly staying the same? No, I feel like my clothes are changing, definitely. It's just that scale weight isn't moving. Yeah, and I'm okay with it. And I'm, like I said, I'm not going to obsess about it. I'm just, I'm just tweaking things to see how things work for me. So I started with the alternate day fasting and like I started with the 500 calorie up day, down day. Right. I struggled with the not eating too much in that down day. Yeah, me too. That was hard for me. So I'm essentially, more, yeah. I was doing OMAD. <laughs> I'm more of a volume eater because it's hard for me to limit myself to 500 calories. <laughs> so yeah. that's why I was not successful with that kind of down day. I just would... Once I started eating, I'm like, I need to eat more food. And then I was hungry. It's easier just to fast. So have you started trying that instead? I've done two 36-hour fasts this week. I did one yesterday that I couldn't believe how easy it was. Like, it was effortless. Oh, that's good. How do you sleep? I sleep fine. I sleep fine. With the 36-hour fast, that's my biggest problem. Just the sleeping. I don't sleep well fasted. I wish I could. I would like to... You know, I haven't done a longer or an overnight fast since, gosh, 2016. So it's been mm. over three years since I have gone to bed without any food. <laughs> and I'm like, I really should try it again since I, you know, talk about it all the time. But then I'm like, oh, but I can't sleep. But the people who can sleep, some people say they get like better sleep. You know, I don't generally have any trouble sleeping. I've always been a pretty good sleeper. So I think... What I found last time, not this way, I guess today was different because I got up for work. So I guess that's, I would have got up anyways, but I did one on the weekend and I woke up really early and I think I woke up because I was hungry. Yeah, that could be. I still didn't eat until my 36 hour window, but I woke up and I could hear I had some tummy grumblings. So you're liking the alternate daily fasting pattern so far. It feels good to you. Yeah. I don't know if it's something that I can do long term. And I'll be honest with you, I, I don't have my mom on board with this 100%. So she's, we haven't talked about it. She's on board with the keto. She's in a little bit of denial with the what the future brings for that diet potentially. I'm trying to get her to read the obesity code. Right. Does she see it as like a short-term thing? You know what? She's really supportive and she's she's happy with whatever works for me. And this has worked for me, so she's happy. But I think she's waiting to see what sort of long-term effects come from it, right? She's kind right. of still in that saturated fat causes atherosclerosis and heart disease. And so she doesn't know yet. yet. So, But she also hasn't done any research. Yeah. It, you know, because it's hard to change your paradigm and what you've been taught and what you've taught other people. And even though... You know, that panel that you saw that day at the conference was like, you know, we just don't know some of these things that we've been saying we knew. We really Mm -hmm. don't. (laughs) And it could be the opposite. It's still hard to change that thinking that's built up for so long. A hundred percent, yes. And I think that she knows what she knows. And like she can do whatever she wants. It's working for her. But I'm three quarters of the way through the obesity code. And I won't lie. It's a tough read. Yeah. <laughs> it's very sciencey, but very interesting. And I think that if she read it, I said, Mom, this would be very interesting for you. I think it would kind of feed to your the sciencey part is what helps my Bachelor of Science degree brain get through this. I think she would probably love the obesity code. And here's a tip. Some people have said, I mean, I don't know, maybe your mom doesn't like to listen to audiobooks. I prefer to read rather than listen, but unless I'm in the car, I could listen in the car. But a lot of people say that listening to the obesity code is something they enjoyed more than reading it. Yeah, I can see that. I listen to podcasts. I read your book as an audiobook. I like to do it while I clean the house. Yeah. 
A lot of people do. I can't because I can't pay attention. <laughs> I can't listen to – I'm not an auditory learner. That's just me. But, you know, if your mom likes to listen to things, then I would get her hooked into that. Maybe buy her the obesity code audio book and let her listen to it or, or even just give her the hard copy book if she prefers reading. But I feel like with a nutritionist background, she's going to be like, like eyes opened, you know? Agreed. Agreed. So I'm heading to the lake. It's the Canada long weekend this weekend. And I'm heading to the lake with my mom and dad and my sister and her family. And so we will be up there for seven days together. So that will kind of be the test of how I do. (laughs) So you're sticking to keto, you're going to follow that and your husband will be there too. Will he be there with you? Yep. And I just eat, I cook and I cook regular for everybody else. They probably eat a little bit higher fat than they even know because I, it tastes delicious and I'll make potatoes for them and I just won't eat any. So what would the whole meal look like? Like your part, their part? I cook for my family on a regular basis and we will have like a protein and a veg and like maybe a steak and a salad with some feta cheese and avocado. And then I'll make something else for my kids. Like I'll make a starch for them still, whether they have a slice of bread or some noodles or whatever. Yeah, that sounds delicious and very easy to do. So you you don't like overly count your macros or worry about the vegetables? No, I don't count them at all. And that was my problem. I bet you if I tried to do keto the way you're doing it, I would probably like it a lot more. When I was trying to do it back in 2014, I was one of those people that was like, all right, 20 grams of carbs a day. And I was, you know, really restricting vegetables too. Yeah. No. And I think that's where I struggled. Like when all of my carbs came from vegetables, that was the hard part for me. But now I probably don't eat keto. I probably eat high fat, low carb. Right. Right. Yeah. I had trouble with the whole, you know, because I like to eat a big old plate of vegetables. I was eating a whole lot of like meat and I don't even know what else. <laughs> yeah. I was making, I don't know. I, I was probably was doing it awfully, but I was, you know, calculating my macros and staying within, you know, those recommended macros, but I, I was having a hard time fitting in the vegetables. Maybe it also has to do with the vegetables that I like. Maybe they're higher carb. I don't know. I was just reading that I just read the part in Jason Fung's book that no one got fat eating too much broccoli. Well, that's true. That's true. And that was what I was doing. I was like, I can't have broccoli because that's too many carbs. You know, I was trying to limit so much. But what you're doing sounds like, I mean, I love starches. I'm not going to start doing keto. But I think that what you're doing sounds more doable for me. Pretty much effortless. We've just changed my the way we eat. I eat, a, if I'm going to have hot dogs or burgers, I eat them on a lettuce wrap. It's just been good. And you're not counting. You're just eating Correct. Real food. That's the beauty of it. So your kids are still eating the starches. Your husband's still doing the keto with you and he still loves it. Yep. He probably eats the same way I do, but he eats his bulletproof or has his bulletproof coffee in the morning. And he also is funny. Now we're also talking about, he thought he had a lactose intolerance and I can tell you that he doesn't because I've been cooking with a lot of cream and a lot of cheese And it doesn't bother him. What bothered him, I think, was the gluten. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. And he thought it was the lactose all this time. Yeah, like we were buying three different kind of milks because he had to buy his lactose-free milk and then my kids needed this milk and I might buy a low-fat milk for myself. Like It was just ridiculous. And now I buy milk for my kids and that's it. And no more low-fat milk ever again. Never again. That stuff is just gross. (laughs) I still do have that battle with my husband because he still has it in his head that you need to get 2% milk. I don't know why. Well, that is what I feed my kids, but I think it's a mouthfeel. You feel. do get them 2%? Okay. I do. It's a mouthfeel for them. Like, I think you can't drink that thick milk as milk, but I've never been a milk drinker. Okay. I'm not a milk drinker. I will have some yogurt and I like cheese, but. Yeah. Like, I will try to sneak in some whole milk and he's like, why'd you buy that milk? I'm like, well, yeah. because I like it. <laughs> But I don't do a lot of milk. I rarely will have any. So I'm, I'll defer to the people who are using it <laughs> the most. They can get the kind they like. And I think my husband was drinking milk specifically in his cereal, but now he doesn't have cereal. So Right. So he's not having it at all. But in, he was blaming the milk, but it was really the, probably the cereal. Yeah, probably. That was causing the problem. Oh, that's funny. Have you seen any health benefits, you know, besides the weight loss? What else have you seen? 
So, yep. So every year we do have this kind of fundraiser for work. We call it the whole cardiology service does this heartbeat run. And I did the run. I did, I think not this past year, so we just did one, but a year ago, right now I did it. And after that run, I actually, I didn't plan to run. I just wanted to walk. My children and I were going to do the three kilometer walk but they wanted to run and I had to run to keep up with them. So my boys are seven and nine and I had to run to keep up to them. And after that run, I was almost debilitated with plantar fasciitis. Oh gosh, that was last year. Yes. And so that's part of the reading that I did about plantar fasciitis and the treatment of plantar fasciitis. It only happened when you were overweight. And that was so sad for me to read, to think that, okay, I know exactly what caused this. And the only one that can fix this is me. Yeah. So this is your second year doing the run. How was it this year? We rocked it. We all, my family of four, I have a stepdaughter and she didn't come. So my family of four, we ran the 3K and I would have done the five, but I didn't think my seven-year-old could run five kilometers. So we ran as a family the whole 3K, and we killed it. Yay! No more plantar fasciitis. No, it actually was gone before my Disney trip. That's what spurred me on because I thought that I was going to have to be one of those people in a wheelchair at Disney with my holiday, and I was not holding them back. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, what was that movie? Wally? Did you ever see that movie with the robot or? No, I haven't, but my kids love it. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that movie and it was like the future and earth was destroyed and they were living. I don't know. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I saw that movie, but everyone was overweight and everyone was in those scooters. Yep. I was not going to hold my family back on our Disney holiday that we planned for a long time. And so I needed to do something about that. And I did. And I did not hold them back. (laughs) So you were able to walk and keep up and. Yep. That's just how it should be. You know, if we can spread intermittent fasting, you know, everyone finding the the dietary approach that makes them feel great and works well for their bodies, because, you know, you know my philosophy, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that everyone is different when it comes to that. If we can spread all this, you know, grassroots, just think of how we can change the future. I know. Instead of, you know, more and more people riding in the carts because they don't know how to lose the weight. Like you and I, we're smart people. We struggled for so many years anyway, trying to follow the conventional advice. Yep. And worked really hard and failed over and over again. Really hard. And, you know, we're highly educated. I have a doctorate. I have a degree. I'm- You're a, a nurse. You have a degree. You work in healthcare. You're highly skilled. I mean, in, in the medical field, your degree is in. Mm-hmm. And it was still hard for us trying to follow that conventional wisdom. I mean, it really makes you mad. Yeah. And I think as my profession, essentially, I think predominantly, I think the nursing career is is a shift worker. And I think shift working is really hard and does horrible things to your body. My husband is still a shift worker. But this way, I think the health of those shift workers is horrifying. I think they sleep badly. There is a high percentage of overweight in my population around me as I look around and I think, you know, we need to do better. I think you're right. And shift work is definitely correlated with obesity and, you know, your circadian rhythms are are out of whack with the way you're living. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that does make it hard. I have a group that I meet with every Saturday morning here in in Augusta that, you know, people who do intermittent fasting and and we started with, we were doing a book study of Delay, Don't Deny. And I didn't know any of these women before we started meeting every Saturday, except one of them, I taught her daughter. So I did know her. And when another one, I knew her, she was a teacher. And a lot of these women that come, they're in the healthcare profession. And they were, you know, like you, they are like, I feel like I was bamboozled Mm -hmm. all these years. And, you know, the advice that they gave to their patients, the advice that they tried to follow as they saw themselves getting heavier and pre-diabetic and, you know, now they're like on this mission to try to change it. So what are you doing? Just can you do anything professionally or just spreading it with your friends? 
I think it's coming actually, because I went to, we have what's called, I work in a teaching hospital and they often have rounds like medicine rounds or cardiology rounds where they teach the residents and they invite like the nursing faculty and the nurses to these educational rounds. And not too long ago, rounds was on intermittent fasting. Oh, I love that. And it was intermittent fasting to treat diabetes, essentially. Oh, I love that even more. Yeah. So it's coming. I think it's slowly coming. People around me are definitely asking me, like, what are you doing? Because people are starting to notice. And they've noticed for a while, but definitely it's like, you know, someone asked me the other day, like, where did the rest of you go? And I think, well, yeah, yeah, it's been a change. And there's one hospital here. We have a lot of hospitals here in Augusta. We're a very medical-centered community. We have a medical school. We have, you know, an army base that has a hospital, lots Mm -hmm. of VA hospitals, just several different hospitals. But one of the hospitals in particular, a friend of mine's husband was a nurse manager there. And he started, he read my book and started following intermittent fasting. Both of them did. And then he just started spreading it through his coworkers like crazy. Like so many people that worked with him, they're like, oh yeah, Steve, he was like patient zero, mm-hmm. you know, spreading the the word of intermittent fasting. But the healthcare workers themselves seem to really embrace the science behind it because it just makes sense once you you understand it. Yeah. There's my colleagues even. My, I have a really good friend that her and I have kind of been on this journey together and I've been really successful and she's struggled. So it's been a challenge for her, I think. Is that the one that first proposed keto to you? Yep. And she struggled with keto in general or just? Yeah, I think she just generally struggles, but keto, she's trying to kind of get back on the bandwagon and she's just having a hard time. Well, here's something that she might want to think about. I'm trying. Does she feel great when she, no, but does she feel great when she does keto? What I'm trying to now is try to get her into the intermittent fasting because then I think that she can then eat generally whatever she wants within a certain window, but she's having trouble with the clean fast. Right. Okay. That, yeah, that's a hard one for a lot of people, but she may be a person who does need more carbs like me. You know, I actually feel better with higher carbs and I would be interested to see how I would do if I was following, you know, more of a a higher vegetable version of keto than what I did before when I felt so bad on it. But I don't know. I haven't tried it that way. But I wonder if she's someone who really does need a higher proportion of carbs. And if she switched over to like, you know, more whole food eating, but intermittent fasting and not trying to do the keto at the same time, I wonder if that would help her. Yeah, we're working on it. Her and I are a work in progress. I'm trying to buy a life coach. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) She'll listen to this podcast in August and she'll, she told me that I could talk about us. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad because she's going to hear it. So she'll know. But Jamie's friend, this is Jen talking to you. I'm speaking just to Jamie's friend. I promise you embrace the clean fast and it will change everything as a reformed, dirty faster. (laughs) It made all the difference. That was when I stopped white knuckling it. That's when I stopped struggling. That's when the fasting became easier and it felt like a lifestyle. So So I think she was really active trying, she was doing a couple triathlons. And so she was really active and she was really struggling with the feeding and fueling her body for exercise. And I think that she just needs to kind of get that fat adapted where she can burn the ketones and the fat for energy rather than the carbs. And I think she just needs to kind of get over that. So now her training has kind of done and she can kind of focus on her. And so we, we are working on that. And, you know, she might want to just try a rip off the bandaid approach and try to do a 36 hour fast and see if, if that could help her get down, you know, through some of those glycogen stores and that 36 hours is daunting. It is daunting when you start. I know. Yeah, it is. It seems like forever. You know, if, if a rip off the Band-Aid approach might be <laughs> one that, that might not be her best approach. Yep. You know, she could try to do some low carb, like the other way, the really easing in way, low carb breakfast, low carb lunch, whatever you want for dinner. And then that helps with the fat adaption. You're anymore. right. Yep. So we'll get there. Her and Slow I will get and there. steady. She'll get there. Yeah. It's fun that she first brought keto to you and here you are just living it, embracing it. And I think it's been frustrating for her also. Right. I know that it has to be because she's tried. You know, we know when we've tried. You and I both have been through that too. Mm-hmm. So we tried and tried and tried and things just weren't clicking. 
So once the things click, then you're like, oh, tweak it till it's easy. So she can do that too. She'll be, I I have confidence that she'll be able to find the way that feels right to her. She just hasn't gotten into that rhythm yet. I agree. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now... New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. So you're a sharer now. Do you share it with, with everybody? Yep. I'm not as free-lipped with the intermittent fasting as I was with the keto and but that's coming. I was going to say I didn't see the success, but I have. It just hasn't been fast. But I right. definitely like I haven't gained back a pound. I'm shrinking. So no, I I've been very successful. So yeah, I I just think it's not quite as acceptable yet, but it's coming. Yeah, especially you know if they're talking about it at rounds, intermittent fasting is, and they're focusing on it as a healing mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, because they were approaching it as this is what we're going to do for the type 2 diabetics, right? That was the focus. And insulin resistance. Yeah, they talked about that. Can you hit some highlights maybe? Yeah, I can't specifically remember, but specifically how about like burning fat instead of glucose and how it affects how you burn it all. And I'm sorry, I can't, I can give you the science. That's okay. I'll put you on the spot. Sorry. Can you remember exactly what they said to you months ago? No, no. I remember them I'm talking about, about the different that, windows and yeah. and just how they can treat the insulin resistance and the way the insulin gets absorbed. And, and keeping the insulin low during the fast. And that's the mechanism that we're looking for instead of keeping the insulin high with the frequent meals, which is really the opposite of how, you know, they've been treating type 2 diabetes all this time. Yeah. You know, the eating frequently, small meals during the day. You know, I've watched my dad go through that because he's a type 2 diabetic. It's been tough. I'm interested what's your take on, because my little guy, my seven-year-old, he wakes up in the morning and he doesn't want to eat breakfast. And that's still hard for me to be like, nope, you need to eat breakfast before you go to school. And I'm just kind of twitching over to the fact of, you know what, if you don't want to eat, don't eat. You know, I think that... What I understand now about the way that our hormones work, you know, our satiety hormones and our hunger hormones, I think that we do a great disservice to our children whenever we ask them to eat and they're not hungry. Yeah. And so I would like to go back, actually, knowing what I know now, go back and parent my children again and see how different I would be as a mom. But trusting that seven-year-old, he's like, I don't want to eat because I'm not hungry. If he was hungry, he would eat. Yeah, and he does. He does eat very well when he's hungry. So I'm force-feeding him, essentially. I kind of have maybe stopped. I'm force-feeding him breakfast when he doesn't want to eat because I think his brain needs it for energy. But then I'm thinking, but does it? Yeah, because if he's not hungry and his body's like, I don't want to eat this right now, if we force them, I think what we do is we teach them to ignore satiety and hunger hormones and instead... Yeah, and then they lose touch with them. I think that's what makes us lose touch with them because we're eating for other reasons because someone says now it's time to eat. You know, and then we laugh about that. My mom and I laugh about that. I was a premature baby when I was born. I was born early and I weighed four pounds. And so my mom says she force fed me for my entire life until then I didn't stop. Wow. You know what? I think there's science behind that. I agree. You know, you, 
we're not connected to your I've had enough signals because or I'm not hungry right now, so I shouldn't eat. Instead, you just ate because it was expected because your mom, you know, was feeding you. And I mean, she was certainly trying to fatten me up because I was do so the skinny. right thing. Yeah, she was fattening <laughs> you up. But you know, on the flip side, you know, we know you should not put children on an intermittent fasting regimen. So then you're like, well, what's the slippery slope? Letting them skip breakfast or, you know, isn't that the same thing? But I think teaching them to honor, are you hungry now? If not, don't eat. Yep. Is not the same as now we're all fasting. You know, that I would not do. Yeah, I will. Here, his name is Jack. Here, Jack. I will pack you something in your lunch kit. Eat it when you're hungry. Right. What I would recommend for kids, you know, and I was a teacher for 28 years, and there's plenty of food opportunities at school, you know, and I don't know what your children's school is like, but our kids, you know, had snack time in the morning, and if you packed something, he would have it, and he would have the opportunity to have the snack. Well, there's plenty of lunch. I actually pride myself in the amazing lunches that I pack, because sadly, I don't make them pack their own lunch yet. I do it. I'm an enabler. I'm an enabler. (laughs) That was seven-year-old. I would still pack it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Looking back on the seven-year-old, I just think now that mine are so grown up and still need a lot of help. (laughs) Not really. I say that. They would be like, no, I don't. My son made an orthodontist appointment for himself. And I was like, oh, you're an adult Victory. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, my kids eat very well. They're well-rounded. They like lots of vegetables. But then, and they're kind of small, skinny kids. So I do a little bit of that force feeding and I have to catch myself because I don't think I need to anymore. I think that they will eat as long as I provide them with appropriate nutrition and some good whole foods, then they will be fine. They're athletic and they're good. Yeah. I read an article that somebody shared an article about asking kids, you know, eat one more bite, eat one more bite. And it was all about how we should just stop doing that. You know, don't say... You just eat one more bite and, you know, whatever. But you can say, all right, if you're full, then stop. But if then they're like, can I have ice cream? And they're like, well, no, you're full. Yeah. That's, that is- <laughs> it's not the same as saying eat one more bite yeah. and then I'll give you the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is the challenge. But I think that this is – I'm definitely changing the way I'm thinking about food and my relationship with food and how I teach that relationship with my children. And then that'll spill right over. They'll watch you have a a relationship with food that they will then model. Yeah. They don't notice my fasting. My husband and I talk about it, but they haven't noticed that I sometimes don't eat with them. Yeah, because you're there. You're making sure they have food and that's... The kids pay way less attention. I mean, yes, they are learning to internalize your behaviors over time, but they don't worry about it. They're just going to notice that you're not always eating and you eat when you're hungry. They see you eat when you do. It's good. That kind of behavior is good for them to see. Yeah. And I also, you know, we are a busy family. My husband and I both work. He's a shift worker. My kids are involved in a ton of sports. And so we do all these activities and we used to regularly stop at McDonald's or Subway or something for them to eat. And and I would eat too. And now I probably don't. And that's okay. Yeah. Because they're seeing that you're not, if you're not hungry, you're not going to eat. And they're seeing that you have this new carefree attitude towards food and it's not stressful. Yes. And I also, I actually make more of an effort to eat at home now. I We live a little bit out of town, so it's a drive. If I have to go home and come back in, I do make more of an effort to eat at home because I would just rather. And I didn't used to. I used to prefer McDonald's or whatever. And now I'm quite happy to eat at home. I am the same way. You know, I used to be, if you asked me, would you rather go out to eat or have a home-cooked meal, I would have picked out to eat every time. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. And now I'm like, I don't want to go out to eat. I want to eat at home. Yeah. There are so many times in these podcasts. Your tastes have changed. Yes. There's so many times in these podcasts that I have listened and I thought, oh my God, like this is me. I can't even believe this. This is my story all over again. So that's why I wrote you and said, you know what? I have something to say. Yeah, well, you certainly have. And I love hearing from the the perspective of, you know, someone in the medical field, particularly with deep ingrained beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, especially coming out of cardiology and with a mother who's a dietitian, and your beliefs were deep and yet you were open and you were listening and you were curious and, you know, scientists 
can get bogged down. And I consider you, you know, in the health community, I consider you to be a scientist because that's what, you know, the yep. medical community is. You're scientists with patients. And scientists can be very closed-minded and feel like we already know everything and it's all been proved already. But real scientists are open-minded and still willing to question beliefs because we're still learning. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe we got it wrong. Right. You know, there was that time they were all teaching about the flat earth and the <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and the the sun going around us and you know, and they're like, We know this. <laughs> it's true. This is it. And everything changes when we learn. And being open minded to it. I think that's the most important thing. So, you know, changing up your whole thought process about huh, maybe fat is not bad. Exactly. My husband, his blood pressure is much better. His cholesterol is still borderline, but we're just watching it. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting to see how that might change over time. Is he still losing weight? You know what? He, I think he lost 12 pounds and he doesn't really have anything more to lose. So no, but he's definitely not as strict. Because sometimes we will see cholesterol go up when people are losing fat. That's a well-known phenomenon just because, you know, the fat loss process causes a transient case of higher cholesterol. So, but if his is not related to that, then it's good just to watch it and see. Yeah. And we haven't checked it in a while again. So it's probably, I bet you it's better now because he just generally feels so much better that it's kind of amazing. Yeah. And that's the key. If you feel good, then you know you are on the right track. I really think that's important. Now we are almost out of time. So, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you were starting? You know what? I feel like I did a lot of research and I listened to a lot of podcasts and I learned so much from everybody that I listened to. And I think everyone's story was different, but everyone's story was the same at the same time. I think you got to try to find what works for you. There are days that I feel like I'm starving and that I am exhausted and I can tell, you know what? I need to eat today. And I do. And so then I eat and then the next day I'm back at it and I feel better. But I can tell that my body just generally needs to f- some food. Yeah. I think I follow a loose up day, down day pattern, not on purpose where I'm like limiting myself to 500 calories. And I really have no idea how many calories I eat. But I think there are some days I eat a lot less and I'm satisfied. And then another day I'll be, it'll be two o'clock and I'll be like, you know what? I'm hungry mm-hmm. now and I'll open my window early and have a, you know, seven hour window. Mm-hmm. There was a day last week where I was exhausted. I was exhausted and I was like, you know what? I'm going to eat breakfast. I've been eating breakfast in on months and I'm going to eat breakfast, but I needed it. I was tired. And I think that day I might've eaten everything that I saw, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I, you know what? I felt, I felt better. And then I did the next day I was back to normal. And when you say you ate everything, do you mean you still ate in your same keto format or did you just eat? No, I didn't. I even ate a donut. (laughs) Yeah, well, your body was like, I'm having a donut. And so like I said, I don't think that I'm keto anymore. I'm just low carb, high fat. Yeah, and you're more carb conscious and you, on a daily basis, that's not something you're eating all the time. No. Yeah, I think that when our bodies are like, you know what, just don't fast right now and you listen to that. I trust that I need that. Now, if I started feeling that way every single day, I would <laughs> have to really question it, but it's not. No, and that's the thing. That's the difference is I think that that's what you got to listen. You can't, I didn't beat myself up. I didn't slump down and be like, I cheated, I failed. And then it was like a three-day or a week long trying to get back on the bandwagon. No, I was like, okay, I'm going to eat today and I'm okay with it. And tomorrow I'm just back to normal. And that, I think that's when you listen to your body. But, you know, your body is not going to start telling you every single day <laughs> you need to do that. Or actually, if it is, if it really is coming from your body, then you need, may need to look at, you know, what you're eating or if you're eating enough. Because hunger that gets worse and worse over time is a sign that you may be overly restricting. And we don't want to do that. Yeah. You know what? I wasn't even really hungry. I was just, I felt exhausted. You just needed it that day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good job listening to your body. Yeah, I feel like I've finally I figured it out. we all can reconnect. <laughs> I love it. Well, Jamie, our time is up, and I have so enjoyed talking to you today and hearing about your intermittent fasting story. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. I was a little starstruck, I won't lie. I was excited to come today. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm about as of a normal person as you could be, so. <laughs> yes, and it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. 
Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.